You're listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number four, eight, seven. Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Station. I know I've mentioned before that there are lots of high-profile celebrities undertaking charity adventure challenges these days. It makes for great mainstream entertainment, and they raise a lot of cash. However, by their very nature and the people involved, it usually requires a backup crew, medical and logistic support, an admin team to set it all up, a media team to keep the promotions, and of course the obligatory camera crew. They do the gig for the few days or few weeks, and then they're off back to lovely media land. Now, in the real world, I found, in the 15 years I've been doing these podcasts, there are far more inspiring normal people undertaking really interesting projects. Sometimes just for personal reasons. However, a lot of the time, it's for charity. So imagine, if you will, the effort and investment you would have to make to do it all yourself. The planning, the prep, the PR, the charity admin, the self-funding, then the practical things like the renting out of your home, the putting of your normal life into storage, and setting off for 12 months or more to walk around the coast of the UK, carrying everything you might need for summer and winter, and relying on help, from kind strangers for accommodation. And while you're doing that, you have to continue with all your admin and social media promotion. So there's no drop-offs, no bags to be carried, and sadly, no support van to cheer you up with a nice hot cup of tea. So you then set off and things are going well. Donations are starting to trickle in and just as you begin to feel confident and you're in your stride, the whole charity donations administration system collapses. So there you are. You're not only on your own undertaking the challenge, the physical part of the activity, you now have to set it all up again whilst out on the trail just using a mobile phone. There's no support and no help, just you. This is the story of Beth Wicks, of the delightfully named Beth Foot Forward. All the links, of course, are over on theoutdoorstation.co.uk. She has been walking for some 10 months and is currently in Lancaster, where she's looking north to Scotland and then down the east coast in the hope that someone, somewhere, might be able to help. Well, I was uh, in my second year of uni and I thought, right, when I graduate, I'm going to have a break in between getting a career um, and graduating. So um, I decided to walk around Britain after seeing a couple of other people doing it. And uh, I couldn't then think of a reason why I shouldn't. So that's why I'm doing it. And what type of walker are you? Are you an experienced mountaineer? No, I'm um, I'm not really very keen on um, on hills. I know that sounds silly because I've done the Southwest Coast Path and the Pembrokeshire Coast Path. Um, but I prefer rolling countryside. I was used to going out with the Ramblers a lot, uh, especially in the, the Welsh marches where I used to live for a few years. Um, but no, not mountains, but, um, but, but countryside, rural paths. 
So, so you describe yourself as, as a rambler, your, your history of being a rambler as a, that sort of style walking. Yes, exactly, because uh, I've been a, a member of the Ramblers Association for many years. Um, they were what got me going with uh, walking in the countryside, and uh, I think they're just fantastic. And uh, they, give, they gave me the confidence to, to go out and have a go on my own. Now, forgive me, but you don't sound like a typical 21-year-old student. I think you'd, you describe yourself as a mature <laughs> student. Is that is that correct? Okay. Oh, absolutely. I'm nowhere near 21, unfortunately. Oh, I wish I was. But no, um, I had a, a fairly uh, decent career. Um, and then I thought, right, well, I'll retrain. So, yes, I am in the a second sort of career stage, if you like. When I finish this, I will be looking into uh, doing something different but uh, yeah I'm definitely a mature student or was and do you find sort of addressing the age thing really it's possibly a, a harder thing to start being slightly older than it would be being for sort of footloose carefree 20 year old well no um I actually think the opposite because I mean I am well, I don't have any commitments. Um, this was the ideal time to do it. Yet when I was a lot younger, I didn't have the confidence. Um, I had a career. I had, well, commitments. Um, so, no, I think it's actually easier now I'm older. So when do you actually start walking then? And where from? Well, I started at Tower Lifeboat Station on the Thames on the 3rd of October last year. And I'm going clockwise around Britain. And uh, I'm trying to raise awareness and money for the RNLI, Lowland Rescue and Mountain Rescue. Um, And yeah, clockwise round. So I've done all of the south of England so far. I've done all of Wales and Anglesey. And now I have reached uh, Glasson in uh, Lancashire. And on the way, have you visited every single RLNI station? No, I haven't. No, Um, the the plan initially was to visit every RLNI station, but many of them are unmanned. And because I often don't know exactly what time I'm going to start a walk, then it's very difficult to tell exactly what time I may get to a station. And I really, really don't like letting people down. And, um, you know, unless I could say an exact time, then I prefer not to not to sort of try and make arrangements. Um, So I aim to go past them. Um, Most of the time I do manage it, but sometimes due to the length of a walk, and the distance between the accommodation that I start and the accommodation that I'm I'm aiming for, I do have to perhaps uh, go a little bit inland and cut uh, perhaps a corner off. And one good example of that was Padstow, where that was um, I. It was in an area where I just had to sort of skirt around, and I didn't manage to actually go and visit them. Um, so there's been a couple of instances like that. But generally speaking, I do try and uh, visit that. Well, I say visit, at least go past the RNLI stations because that stops me meandering too far inland. Um, you know, because I could just end up wandering all over the place if I didn't keep focused and think, right, let's stick to the coast. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's to keep me focused more than anything else.
And presumably you sort of sent a, a little note out to all of them, all the, all the ones you could actually contact, just to let them know you were walking past and, and they, they could offer you a cup of tea or something? Uh, no, because there are so many stations. Um, now, I do have somebody in head office that did let all the stations know um, at least a couple of times. She's let the stations know um, on my behalf, sent a global email out because I have so much admin to do already that to actually try and contact every station would be a job in its own right. Um, So no, I don't. Um, So the way I do it now is if they contact me, if they have heard about me, and they contact me and say, oh, are you passing? Or, you know, they, they show some interest in me visiting, then I will do what I can to visit them. But if I don't hear, then I don't try and visit. Um, that's how I've had to to uh, to organise things now, because logistically it does get so tricky and, ex- and so time consuming trying to arrange things that um, I just try and keep it simple now because it's, it's the headspace. There's a, there's a huge mental load with doing what I'm doing that I think is, is not immediately obvious to people. And I get asked frequently how I'm doing physically, how my feet are. Am I getting blisters? Do my feet hurt? And I say, well, no, physically, actually, I'm OK. Mentally, it's there are days when I'm really struggling and because I do not have a support team or anyone behind me that is organising anything for me unless it's a stranger that has said that they would do something for me. So I don't have family or a partner or friends in the background that are um, contacting uh, RNLI stations or lowland rescue uh, teams or mountain rescue teams um, or route planning or picking up items that I need and delivering them and taking away items that I don't need and putting them into storage for me. I don't have any of that. Um, So I have to do the role of the charity walker and the role of the project management team, support team. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a big task. So I tend not to try and add anything else to it. Uh, which is why, yeah, I, I don't contact all the uh, the RNLI stations anymore. It was simply getting too much work to keep up with, unfortunately. So some of them I meet and some of them I don't. So, uh, yeah, it's lovely when I do get to meet them, but it's, it's just one of those things, I'm afraid, that I, I just can't meet all of them. Wow. Uh, the... the... The administration side obviously has turned mm. into a bit of a monster, really. Did, did, it, oh. did it sort of slowly accumulate and get like that? Has it taken you by surprise? Uh, it's taken me by surprise a little bit. I, I think I didn't appreciate quite how tiring and time-consuming it is um, because I've not been particularly into social media before I started this. I, I had Facebook, but I didn't post a lot. But now part of my job, and I do treat this now as a job, uh, is uh, posting about the walks I've done. So that's uh, when I walk three days on and then the fourth day off. So that's a lot of walks. And so I post on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And then I keep a, 
a mileage um, update on my website as well and post that weekly. And so it is a lot of work with route planning as well and also trying to organise accommodation. And then what tends to happen, and it's absolutely lovely. I'm loving this bit. I meet people that I've never met before and they they say, oh, you can come and stay with me. And I think that's fantastic. And then we socialise, which is wonderful. And then I don't have enough time to do my admin. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword because I really want to meet people. But then I can't just say, oh, thanks for dinner. Now I'm just going to uh, go off to my room and ignore you and because um, I've, got, I've got to plan some routes and I've got to reply to emails and messages and do social media. And uh, I, I can get a bit behind sometimes. But, yeah, I should imagine yeah. it really meant so, I mean, give people an idea of the sort of number of messages. I mean, if you can remember sort of when you first started, what sort of mm. amount of messages you had to reply to and, and where you are now, I suppose you're well, roughly halfway round, I guess, roughly. What, what sort of number of messages and, and time does it take to, for you to feel, feel happy that you've replied to everybody and, and sorted the next week's worth of um, accommodation and route? What I find is it's, it may only be three people I'm having um, a simultaneous conversation with on Messenger, but of course each one requires an answer. And the answer could be, what time are you planning to get here tomorrow? And then I have to think, oh, I don't know. I've got to ask what time I'm going to be dropped off in the morning. So then I can see how long the route is and estimate how long it's going to take me, what, what time I'm going to get to the end point. So quite often it's it's not so much the number of emails or the number of messages, it's the, it's the number of questions. And each question requires me to sort of think, oh, well, I don't know. I've got to find that out. And I may have to ask somebody else for the answer. Um, so it is very time consuming. And, and also I have um, dyslexia and dyspraxia. And I find that my attention can wander if I'm not careful. And if I'm in an environment where there's lots of distractions, uh, it's, it just takes me longer than it should. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm really on the ball, you know, and it is well, not sometimes. I mean, I should I suppose I should say, oh, I'm, I'm on the ball all the time. Aren't I? I know exactly what's going on. Um, you know, it's, Sometimes it's easier than others and I get it done quickly and other times um, I've had a lot of distractions or I'm tired and it takes me longer than it should to do the same task, unfortunately. And, but as you say, you're relying on the, the generosity of people at both ends of the day's walk and the week's walk and mm. uh, it, it's obviously you don't want to be rude, as you rightly say, and disappear to your room after after eating a meal. Uh, so mm -hmm. it, I, I, fair play to you. It must be... It, I hadn't really given giving it credence, just how much work it takes, but obviously it takes a vast amount. And how have you found, you know, the, the walking? Let's talk about the walking itself, because obviously that's what the, the main part is. What sort of um, mm -hmm. miles per day were you starting off at, and, and where are you now? Have you, has your fitness increased, and, and, and you're sort of uh, covering a lot of ground? I, I suppose my fitness must have increased, because I, I definitely noticed it when I was going around the southwest coast path, that... Although I would still look at hills and think, oh, no, oh, this is going to hurt. Actually, I realized I'd got to the top without stopping and it hadn't hurt. You know, I wasn't aching. Um, so 
I must have got fitter, but I think it just happened so gradually that I've not noticed really. Um, and I'm covering about 10 to 12 miles a day, well, about 12 miles a day usually. Um, and I, but I'm pacing myself. I try not to do more than about 13, 14, uh, because I like to have a little bit in reserve at the end of the walk so that if uh, perhaps, um, oh, something went a bit wrong and I had to detour, then I'm not absolutely exhausted. Uh, it does also depend on whether I'm carrying my big, rucks, uh, big rucksack or not, because uh, that's quite heavy because I'm carrying absolutely everything I need in it for this whole trip, which is all year round. So on the, on the hottest day of the year so far, I have all my winter stuff packed in my rucksack because I've got nowhere to store it right. that I can conveniently get it again. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, I could potentially be carrying quite a bit. And then I have to factor that into the the uh, length of the walk as well, because obviously that's that's tiring. You're listening to the outdoorstation.co.uk award-winning producers of podcasts to inform, inspire and entertain lovers of the great outdoors everywhere. Now, I know you're not camping and you certainly aren't aren't taking any camping equipment, so you're relying 100% totally on on people's generosity. Uh, And I understand that you've uh, actually rented out your home uh, in Stourbridge for the duration of the walk. So, as you say, you are really on your own with no support crew, so it must be pretty tough carrying a rucksack that does have all your winter gear in it. Do you think it was unwise to start in October and perhaps it might have been better to start in springtime? No, no. Um, I deliberately started then. Well, I was uh, I was governed by when I was going to graduate from uni. So uh, I graduated last year and then uh, I wanted to get fit. So I also wanted to avoid the summer holidays. So I deliberately set out that I wasn't going to start the walk until at least the end of September. And also because this is long term, I was going to be walking throughout winters as well. So I carefully planned it, although it seems a bit like I, it wasn't planned to be, to be um, in certain places at certain times. Because I started on the Thames and I was walking clockwise, I knew that I was going to be in Cornwall, hopefully one of the warmer counties in the winter, which I was, worked really well. Um on the flip side, it also means that as I head north, uh, perhaps up the northeast, um, I will be walking there in the winter. So it's going to be about two summers and two winters. So swings and roundabouts, really. Oh, that was a good, well calculated then. So have you found the, the RNLI stations themselves then? I mean, presumably they've had a warm welcome for you, but are they all sort of encompassing, capable of coping with anything? Or are they, some of them, really, really small and... Uh, you know, with very limited facilities? Well, the RNLI is so amazingly organised and well thought out that even if the station is unmanned and only has a small boat, um, the chances are that's for a very good reason, that there's that particular stretch of the waterway doesn't require or cannot cope with anything bigger. Um, So they they do range in... um, well, they they vary. Some have 
little D-class lifeboats, which are, you know, they're about three-seater, little uh, ribs, I suppose, um, for want of a better word. Um, and then you've got the Atlantics, which are the big ribs as well. And obviously, they've got a certain range out to sea. But then you've got the um, offshore lifeboats like the Shannons and the Tamars, uh, which are the sort of what you would see as a lifeboat, um, which has got sort of enclosed. Oh, I don't know what the phrase would be, um, but they're they're like the, the big the big boats that go miles out to sea. Um, but of course, something like a, a Shannon would be absolutely no good, probably on the Thames. They need something that can whiz up the Thames and pick people out of the water. But a smaller boat would be no good five miles out, you know, so, uh, you know, in rough seas. So they are equipped with what was seemed necessary for the area that the station is. So that's in a nutshell. OK. And, and the people themselves that you met is what were the characters like? Oh, yeah, yeah, there are some. I've met a few that have been on Saving Lives at Sea. Um, I think um, that sometimes because it's only a very brief meeting, I don't really get to see the true characters. I think it's like anything else. When people have just met, you you may be able to get a sense of what's, what their personality is like, but to actually get to know them takes a little bit more time and Unfortunately, it does tend to be very short visits um, where you know, I'm finding out about the station and, and then a quick cup of tea and then I have to go. So I don't hear all these uh, these great stories, really, no. Well, I think walking around the UK must be a great privilege to actually have the time and dedication to do that. Mm. So would you be able to give a description in your own words of how you found the different areas as you've gone round the coast from the south up to around the outside of Wales? Mm. What, I, what I will say is that some areas are fantastically signposted as though they are very welcoming to walkers. So, for example, one place that stood out was the Isle of Wight, very good signposting. Um, Pembrokeshire Coast Path was very well signposted as well. Um, other paths are not perhaps as well signposted, but I'm not going to say names. <laughs> you know, uh, other places are um, much more uh, geared to tourism. So when it's not the tourism season, they are effectively closed um, and there's not a lot happening. So it does depend on the time of year that I'm visiting. So in some ways, I can't really compare certain places because of the times of the year that I visited them. It would be unfair to. Um, it would be interesting to go back to some of the places I was in in the winter and see how they are in the summer. I suspect they're completely different. Um, but, yeah, I think as far as terrain goes as well, the Pembrokeshire coast, I can see now why people flock to it from all over the world. And I did meet people from different countries who, were, who would come over to walk the Pembrokeshire coast. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I was lucky with the weather. It'd be interesting to see what it's like in the winter, but I suspect it's just as gorgeous. Um, Anglesey, oh, there's loads of places. And I do think that everywhere has its merits and 
even places that are built up and thinking, well, look, it's just concrete promenades. It's miles and miles of, there's no, it's not rural, it's all built up. Think, oh, but there's art installations, there's street art, there's murals painted on walls. There's always something, um, either the landscape or it's, it's art of some description. So um, I try and take something positive away from everywhere that um, I walk through, but it's all so different. Well, certainly your Twitter and social media work you've been doing, I must congratulate you uh, on your social media work. The photographs are are inspirational uh, and the the Facebook pages as well, giving people a good taste. You can see when you've managed to sit and have a rest day because there's hundreds of photographs suddenly appear. So uh, it's it's a good idea what the weather's like around the coast as, as you're slowly crawling your way around. So I calculated that we're in August now, as we record this, that you've been going for 10 months. And so for every single night of those 10 months, have you had um, a generosity of somebody volunteering to to accommodate you? No, no, not at all. In in the beginning, um, well, I was lucky. In the beginning, there was the Kent Search and Rescue, which is the loan and rescue team, and they were fantastic uh, in getting their members together and helping me out um and actually they, i mean there were i did spend quite a bit of money in the beginning on b&b's um but the load and rescue teams were very good uh, at helping out so they they did limit it um and it was only when i got to places where perhaps it's uh more rural um that it's I was, oh God, I was going to say, well, it's more rural. There are fewer places to stay, but on the same, at the same time, there are fewer people living there. There's so fewer people that can help. And actually, this is what I'm finding where I am at the moment is that um, there are fewer opportunities for me to find accommodation, and that is both um, B and Bs or hotels and people offering offering me their spare rooms. Um, but no, I have been very lucky in many places. People have rallied around and I've managed to, to stay with them. But there have been areas where there isn't really that much. Um, and I've had to perhaps detour inland to find a town that has some B&Bs because it's so rural. There is nothing. Um but, yeah, I, I stopped tallying up how much I've spent on B&Bs. But it, it has got better as my uh, social media followers have increased and the word gets around. It it, it has got better. Well, um, certainly I'm, I'm, that's what I'm hoping that we can help a little bit with with our listeners who are dotted all around the country and around the world. But uh, if anybody is obviously you're heading up now from what uh, from Lancaster through Morecambe Way, Barrow and Furness uh-huh. up past the Lake District. Yeah. So the Lake District's going to have lots of people, I'm sure, uh, that, that are listening up there that may be able to help out. Uh, and then you're getting uh-huh. further north, obviously, into Gretna Green, and then you're getting towards uh, the, the Glasgow area, I guess. Are you going to go uh-huh. around the coast before you get up to Paisley and Glasgow? Uh, I guess you must be. Uh, uh, I have a route planned from, um trying to think, probably around Barrow. I haven't route planned further than that yet. Um, I mean, I had planned to go up the West Highland Way, and then the Great Glenway to Inverness and go around the coast there. But when I looked at the route, 
there are big expanses of nothingness. And because I'm not camping, um, to be honest, I really cannot carry any more kit. And even the lightest camping gear is still going to add, you know, say, three, three, four kilos. Um, and I can't carry any more than I already am. And there were big expanses of land in between potential places to stay. And I thought, I know my limits. 20-mile hikes over varying terrain carrying, say, 15 kilos is more than I want to do. Well, it's more than actually I could do and not be thoroughly miserable, in all honesty. I could probably do it, um, but uh, it would not be pleasant and I'd be at risk of injuring myself because – I already noticed that if I'm walking more than about oh, 11, 12 miles, especially on hard, hard ground, carrying my big rucksack, my feet hurt at the end. And I wouldn't want to push it too much further than that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I found that, that route was just not really um, going to be doable for me with my skill levels and abilities. So um, I will probably do the John Muir way, which is Glasgow to Edinburgh, which doesn't seem as tricky. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, I think you're making a, a, the right decision really for your, as you say, for your ability and the, and the, wish, the way that you're trying to do this uh, with carrying everything from the, the word yeah. go from London round. Uh, and doing something like the West Highland Way and the Great Glen Way is, is a great joy, but it's a it's right. a different type of hiking, really, to, uh, to yeah. the, the work you're doing at the moment. Understanding from what you're saying, then, you obviously you, say you rented your, your, your home out, so you, you've got nowhere to go back to, as it were, immediately. Right. And you're obviously spending a lot of your own money in doing this. Uh, you know, right. have you sort of given yourself a budget of X amount per week or, or day, or are you just trying to keep it as tight as possible and obviously encourage people to make some sort of donation? to the charities yeah uh, i don't have a budget um i just try and be careful day to day because it varies so much i mean i could have a stretch of a couple of weeks where i don't spend a thing on accommodation and food because the kindness of strangers helping me out but then i could equally have a stretch where i have to pay for accommodation and of course it's not just the cost of the b&b &B, it's also the cost of the evening meal and you know the the food that i might need for for the walk um so that really really mounts up um so i don't i if i gave myself a budget and i went over it i would be worried and i'm desperately trying to go with the flow on this and just just let things evolve see what happens and not not go mad with money but uh you know try and save as much as i can um but i do, i do have a little bit of savings to fall back on but uh not not huge amounts well fair play to you for for obviously risking your own money as well as uh, as actually trying to do a positive thing for uh, for charities as well. Now if people are listening to this and they're obviously north of of Morecambe north of Lancaster and are yeah. on the uh, on the approach on the east coast of course as well in I guess a few months uh -huh. time how would you yeah. like people to contact you to um see if they can help in any way? Well there's uh, there's various ways if they're on social media they can join my Facebook group, which is Beth Foot Forward Charity Coastal Walk, and they can private message me through there. Um, 
I'm the admin on that. And it's actually my name comes up as Elizabeth Wicks, but it'll be obvious who I am. I'm the only one posting pictures of where I've walked. Um, Or they could message me through Twitter or Instagram, or if they prefer email, they can message me uh, through my website, um, which is uh, it would be Beth at BethFootForward.co.uk. Um, and uh, yeah, does there, there's a few methods they can use to contact me. Okay, well, if anybody's missed those details, they can always go to the podcast show notes as well. All the contact details will be put in the show notes. Um, now you've uh, you've obviously done well. Um, obviously, the purpose of the of the walk was to raise money, and unfortunately, I do oh. know you've had a lot of problems with the charity infrastructure that to to take accept donations. So, just fill us in where where you are with that at the moment. Right. Well, at the moment, I'm waiting for all three charities to get onto Virgin Money Giving. As soon as all three are on Virgin Money Giving then I can set up an account and I can start charity donations again. Um, at, the, at the moment, the only way that people can donate online is to go to my GoFundMe account, which I've got linked to my, my website, etc. Um, they can donate through that and just put a note saying, this is for the charities, not you. <laughs> and then I'll do a bank transfer, just as I do with cash donations. Um, but hopefully... This will all be resolved in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it's it's very unfortunate, but out of my control at the moment. And when did that problem start then? Surely it must have been after you started in October. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, I had uh, BT My Donate set up and running running perfectly. And that closed. And um, yeah, that closed. And uh I, yeah, not all the charities were on an alternative platform. Um, Gosh, how, how frustrating! I mean, it's just you might. I'm I'm sure listeners must be have full of empathy for you for having started something in October and then having the whole the reason you're doing it virtually taken away from you for whatever reason, technical reasons or okay. commercial reasons or whatever. And then you're yeah. still walking, you're still doing the <laughs> the admin, and at the same time, you've got to actually set it all up again from your phone while you're while you're on route i mean fair play to you beth you've 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 oh, done a cracking you. job and and well, and if you have down days you know just pat yourself on the back you've done a wonderful thing here well i i think what what's what's unfortunate about it is that it's it's a bit embarrassing because it looks like i'm not very organized where you know in the background i i would i like i said it's out of my control but um it, it is stopping me promoting the charities right now because I would love to do a big drive to get people uh, active with their local Lowland Rescue, Mountain Rescue and RNLI um, teams um, or and also to get people to donate. But I can't push for that without a you can donate here <laughs> so i'm i'm it's frustrating but it will all be sorted soon i'm hoping excellent um, excellent okay well let's wind this up with a few short questions then uh just uh-huh. something that's sort of a bit more tongue-in-cheek if you like um okay. now you have spent 10 months um on the beach um uh-huh. enjoying yourself dipping your toes in the water and obviously sitting there uh-huh. and radiantly enjoying the sunshine and the good weather <laughs> what has been your favorite beachside treat oh oh 
it has to be oh well you can't beat an ice cream can you you just can't beat an ice cream i i do love a 99 with the flake um but also sometimes it's just things like uh, finding a bit of sea glass you know I'm, I'm fairly easily pleased <laughs> okay you're a cheap date <laughs> right okay and 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 10 months into it now what has come as a surprise about yourself what have you learned about yourself that actually come as has come as a bit of a surprise to you oh well i used to always like to know what was happening every minute um, I'd get perhaps a bit anxious uh, with changes of plan and uh, not knowing what I was doing. And now I have, I've had to learn to relax a lot more and say, look, it will all be all right. It will work out. I, I used to worry a lot about, well, I, I haven't got accommodation booked in three days' time. Um, or I'm going to be stuck. It, it's a disaster. And I get, no, it is not a disaster. If the worst comes to the worst and I can't get accommodation in one area, as long as I can get public transport to an area where there is accommodation, then I'm okay. It it all works out all right. Um, So, yeah, I think learning to just chill out a lot more and go with the flow uh, is such a great life lesson that I've been learning. Fantastic. Okay. And my final question. Um, of all the things I could have asked you about this particular project, what should I have asked you? Oh, no. I'm so bad at answering questions on the hoof. Um, oh, um, oh, oh, I don't know. Oh, you've got me there. Um, I suppose, yeah, I mean, the mental load thing, it, it was the... Uh, Although you you did mention it, but um, yeah, I think if you hadn't have mentioned uh, the mental load, I would have I would have uh, said, oh, you could have you could have asked me about how tough it is mentally. What has been your actual lowest point? Do you think? Oh, um, I've I've had a few. I've had it where I thought, well. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting any offers from for help. You know, I'm putting the feelers out, and nothing is coming back. At the same time, as I've also looked at where available accommodation is, and I think, oh, there's a B and B there, and I look, and it's it's way out of my budget, or it's fully booked. And because I'm now going into, the, you know, it's the summer holidays. And this is what I'm finding. And I must admit, I feel better today. But the last couple of days, I've I've been getting pretty low and thinking, well, it's just as well I don't have a home to go to because I might have bolted home and just having a break. But um, I know that wouldn't have been the best thing to do. So, yeah, it is the concern uh, it comes and goes, um, catches me unaware sometimes where I think, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I desperately need help at the moment with accommodation because I'm getting to places where there isn't any um, or, or it's fully booked. You know? So, uh, But it'll be all right. Then I say it'll be fine. It'll all work out. I may just have to go inland and head to a big city. Simple as that. Um and then it's no, it's not cheating. It's doing what I have to do to get around Britain with the skills I have 
and with what's available. So, uh, yeah, but that can get to me. If you've listened to this and can grasp the scale of the challenge that Beth now finds herself in and can offer accommodation or advice, support, maybe even a lift or two in some way north of Lancaster, up the west coast, towards Glasgow, across to Edinburgh and then down the east coast, please contact Beth via her social media. All the links, of course, are on theoutdoorstation.co.uk. The three charities she's doing it for would also appreciate donations. And let's face it, they are all organisations that we may call on at some stage in our outdoor life. It must have been incredibly frustrating for her to have to reboot the whole donation system while she's in the wilds. So once again, here we have Beth, a normal person, undertaking a 12-month personal challenge involving sacrifice of her home facing discomfort and uncertainty, all for the benefit of others. I'm sure you might agree with me. Beth and people like her really are the true celebrities we should all be following. Until next time, folks, take care and bye for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear or see more from our extensive free library, please visit theoutdoorsstation.co.uk.